Yeah. Um, one thing that I've learned is at a young age, and this is what I've been doing at the schools, career advice, but what I have been finding, especially with the younger kids, just that tasting water from different sources, you see it in their eyes. They're just like, whoa. Their the, the mouths haven't been manipulated with stronger drinks. So when they're tasting these waters, it's very abundant that every water is different. Then you give it a little sprinkling of geology, geography, the terroir. What influences that water to have those different minerals and and from the source that it's from? So what we've got is we've missed this whole element. We, we, we've been taught about the water cycle. But what happens to the water when it lands back onto the earth and then picks up the different minerals from the geology that, that it's forming from? And once you start teaching kids that, it's like, oh, wow. You know, you can throw in the mythical legends by the springs, because that's always been um, discussed in history. Um, you know, indigenous people, how they respected the waters, teaching that method, it, it it really encourages them to dive deeper into water's just not like water. It's magical, it's medicine, it sustains us. It's got so much to give to us, but we're still categorizing it as, hey, it's just water comes out of the tap, it's abundant. But, you know, as we're aware globally, there's so many issues in regards to water supply and that need to be addressed. And the only way I believe this can be done is capturing it at a young age to look at water in a different way. And all it takes is 10 to 15 minutes and it clicks in their brain to a life, a long life of respecting water and helping others to, to gain access to water and sanitation. From Water, episode 44. I'm here with Milan Patel. He is one of the world's greatest water sommeliers. And if you don't know what that is, it is something that brings you to the higher level of consciousness when tasting water. We all taste water. We all don't know how to enjoy water effectively and properly. Some do this with wine. Others do it, say, with liquor. But we all drink water every day and it is so important for us to taste water properly know where it's come we know where it, where it has come from and we have the guy here today to do it with us uh Maylin, thank you so much for joining us i've been uh anxiously awaiting this um this talk with you for a long time i've watched all your material i've i've tasted the water afterwards and it is super exciting to be with you Wow, Sean, thank you for the warm welcome, Frill. Um, I'm super excited about this one. Again, I've, I've seen some of your material and behind the scenes of what I've been doing this crossover. Real good knowledge to share a drinking water lifestyle, a drinking water culture for your listeners, and hopefully they can spread the word. So yeah, let's get into it. And before before we really get get going here, um, how how is the the water weather today in England? What have you been doing? What's going on in the UK where you're joining us from? 
Yeah, for real. Um, today I was in the financial districts, Canary Wharf. Typical British weather today. It was just grey and rainy. But you know what Bob Marley says? Some people feel the rain, others just get wet. I feel it. I love it when it rains. It's great. So, yeah, standard day in London today. So, um, back home for this podcast in time, beat the traffic. So, yeah, good day. It's a very blessed day. Epic, man. And it's so, again, so good to have you here. And you have a, a deep passion for water, like I do, like so many of our, our listeners. Where does your, your deep passion for water come from? What is the root? Yeah, of course. So um, from a young age, uh, where I live, um, just outside of London, we've got all of the largest water storage reservoirs. These reservoirs are massive. Um, I've got the River Thames, I've got the River Ember, I've got the River Mole that flows through where I live. I live about a 10 minute walk from the River Thames. You know, growing up on the water, fishing, kayaking, whatever it was, I, I was just connected. Um, and I just thought, this is what I want to do as a career. But growing up with a passion of water was not cool. <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's just what, what I've wanted to do from a young age. And um, it's kind of defined my career and who I am. And was it uh, initially the, um, like, how was your schooling? Were, were you, uh, did you, yeah. were you attracted to the sciences? Yes, 100%. Um, science for me was a big thing. Um, geography um, was a big thing. So my schooling was here in the UK. But then when I was around 12, I ended up moving out to California, literally the next day, like a family situation occurred. I was with my my crew here, literally the next day. I was in Rancho Cucamonga, um, just outside of Orange County, LA, so, you know, up the foothills. So I did middle school there, and then I ended up um in florida so i did a high school up to um my sophomore year and then come back to the uk so have we frozen no we're not frozen no. um but let, let me pause for a second and how's your internet connection oh, okay here? yeah connection at home is it's good yeah for all right, I've um I've just switched mine to a different set to different uh setting. So we'll see if that's if that's me. Are you still with me? You've frozen now. There we are. Are we good now? You're good. I can't see. Oh, there you are. Yeah. All right. Ten check one, check two. You good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry about that. So your 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 trip to California, that's such an extreme place. And California has such a unique culture of its own. Uh, how how was that striking as a young man to you coming from Great Britain to to LA? That that is um a very unique experience. Yeah, for real. Um the first thing that I remembered, like things were dry and I couldn't get over the fact that they had like these flood storage reservoirs. And these were all just empty, dry. And I was like, damn, they, they do not have water. And I'm talking about 92, 93. And I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, you know, we've got Big Bear Mountain at, at the top there looking down, but the storage of water wasn't there. And they had like um, concrete canals 
to divert the water dry again. And I would always be mesmerized of when will I see water in these canals? And um, sometimes I'd take a trip into like downtown LA, see, see the LA River again. What was like massive ravine, man-made, just a little trickle, little trickle going through such an immense city. I, d I just couldn't get my head around it. Like from seeing the River Thames to the minimal water flowing through cities um, in California, like LA and outside of LA. So yeah, but then on the contrast, landing in Florida, very lush subtropical climate, you know, Lake Okeechobee, Lake Topolica, plenty of water, rain in all types of forms. <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it, it's a very different contrast. And this is what really energized me to think, right, this is my career. This is what I want to do. Yeah. And, and, and what part of your schooling was that? Because it seems like you were in California at a young age. You're already looking at the water super passionately as to where it's coming from. You know, most kids, they're, they're not thinking uh, in, in these terms. Um, I'd like to kind of know, like, what, what was it about it? And then uh, when did you decide, like, I'm going into the, the water business? Yeah, of course. So um, I did my schooling up to like my varsity year in Florida, and then I ended up coming back to the UK. Um, and then I just continued uh, with my studies at Queen Mary's um, University in environmental science, with a little bit of law, but I had to keep on chopping and changing because there wasn't a dedicated water science module. You know, so I was doing like the business, I was doing the environmental law, I was doing geography, I was doing um, biological sciences, chemistry, just to get that water fix from each of those modules. So in a way, it was pretty tough to get something that was just very water centric. So um, that, that was my schooling. And then I uh, completed some modules at Cranfield University here in the UK, which is one of the large water science um, schools, which was really good. Um, and you know, the way this world works, right? I did a piece with the BBC Science at Cranfield, um, some media work just um, two weeks ago. So it was it was just like a full 360, and like you know, Dr. Peter Jarvis, Dr. Francis Hazard, the heads of that, they were like, "Wow, welcome back. We love what you're doing." It's it's so yeah. Um, I think the educational element, water, man, this needs to step it up, like for real what we're taught in schools at the moment is just not enough to create the future of engineers, lawyers, advocates, policy makers, everybody that needs to be involved to make sure water is still flowing through our towns, our communities um, in a sufficient way. Yeah. And, and tell us what, what are the key points and principles when you walk into these schools to really open people's minds up to initiate them to your large concepts and points here because they're vital to the survival of civilization. Yeah. Um, one thing that I've learned is at a young age, and this is what I've been doing at the schools, career advice, but what I have been finding, especially with the younger kids, that just that tasting water from different sources, you see it in their eyes. They're just like, whoa. The, the, the mouths haven't been manipulated with stronger drinks. So when they're tasting these waters, it's very abundant that every water is different. Then you give it a little sprinkling of geology, geography, 
the terroir, what influences that water to have those different minerals and and from the source that it's from. So what we've got is we've missed this whole element. We, we, we've been taught about the water cycle, but what happens to the water when it lands back onto the earth and then picks up the different minerals from the geology that, that it's forming from? And once you start teaching kids that, it's like, oh, wow. You know, you can throw in the mythical legends by the springs, because that's always been um, discussed in history. Um, you know, indigenous people, how they respected the waters, teaching that method, it, it, it really encourages them to dive deeper into water's just not like water. It's magical, it's medicine, it sustains us. It's got so much to give to us, but we're still categorizing it as, hey, it's just water, comes out of the tap, it's abundant. But, you know, as we're aware, globally, there's so many issues in regards to water supply and that need to be addressed. And the only way I believe this can be done is capturing it at a young age to look at water in a different way. And all it takes is 10 to 15 minutes and it clicks in their brain to a life, a long life of respecting water and helping others to, to gain access to water and sanitation. And that's really the key point I'd like to start this this conversation today on is the the sanitation and just the ability for an individual on the earth to receive clean drinking water because that's the starting point from from my uh, understanding of of your talks previous to our conversation was that there's really no good or bad water it's is the water clean first of all then we can get into the nuance of the taste and and where it's from and all the the um I guess high-minded thoughts regarding the water but first and foremost the the integrity of the substance and it not having pollutants in it yep sorry no worries um, yeah yeah you can give the rabbit just a little bit okay yeah just just a little bit i'm just on a call and we'll catch up after <laughs> so, so to our our, our listeners, uh, Mylon is a, a father like I am. He has uh, he's yeah. joining us. It's uh, six p.m. GMT. It's the evening time in in Great Britain, one o'clock New York City. Uh, and uh, and we're we're honored that you're taking this time um, away from from good old family time. So, no, 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 for real, yeah, like, bro. My house is all just everyone's just cool and just love it. Yeah. Love <laughs> yeah. it. So, um, yeah, just to go, um, sort of go back, um, I get asked this question daily. What is the best water in the world? Yeah, and my answer is wholesome, reliable, clean water from the tap. Imagine life without that. Very difficult. And there's so many people around the world that still do not have access to that. So the whole element of what we're going to be discussing today, exploring, will always reel back to that fact that life without tap water like we're used to in the modern world is, is a blessing. And if you have access to that within 20 seconds, a tap, you are, in my, my personal view, one of the luckiest people in the world. You know, there's kids around the world that have to travel, can't even go to school, can't even have an, a, a good upbringing because every day they need to travel just to collect water 
from probably a contaminated well just to survive. So this is where the narrative sort of goes of what can we do to protect water, but then also to give um, access, and which is a fundamental uh, right, a human right to water. So um, that's sort of the goal. Now, in your in your uh, other line of work that that you do, you are a professional of the transport of water through pipes and systems to make sure that it's clean. Do I have this correctly? Yeah. Um, so the way I'd like to describe it is um, the the day job that I do as a water consultant, a pretty senior guy in the water world, is if you imagine water flowing through the environment. It'll go into a factory to where your food's produced. It'll go to a, a factory where your car's manufactured. It'll go into a hospital with immunosuppressed uh, patients. It will go into an energy center. You know, it takes water to create energy, electricity, um, any type of manufacturing. Um, I look at the water and polish it and condition it so it's perfect for the application, if that makes sense. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. C can you kind of enlighten us to the the layman, such as myself, who doesn't understand the the nuance that goes on to get the droplet to come out of the tap? What's the what's the uh, the circle of life? Circle of life. Yes. So um, water out of the tap, you know, it will go through a water treatment process, depending on where in the world you live. There'll be a variety of different stages to clean up that water before it comes out out of the tap so with that it's you know understanding what goes into producing tap water if you, if you were to take a moment to understand what your local authority is doing or not doing i personally think it's more of a, a community a collective to now take charge of this and have these conversations of what can we do or what can we influence to have better tap water? You know, there's only a certain or the same volume of water on this planet since day dot. You know, we may be drinking, um, you know, the water in my flask here. A T-Rex may have peed it out, you know, <laughs> it's the same water. So it's... Um, can, can, can we pause real quick on that on that point? Because that is such a mind-blowing concept that the the water on this planet hasn't gone anywhere. It's the same stuff. And can you kind of hone down on, on that and how that is? Because it, it it's magical. Yeah, so um, it, 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 it's super magical. When you break it down like that, we have the same volume of water. We cannot take water from outer space, the volume of water in our seas, lakes, oceans, ice caps, et cetera, even underground aquifers. It's been the same since day dot. So it's how we treat this water because we're never going to get any more. And human use, etc., just daily life, water gets polluted. Water is a great solvent. Water will pick up everything. Whatever we put down the drain besides our number ones and number twos, water will absorb. So it's as communities really respecting not just dumping everything down the toilet for example you have a, a you have a lot of cases of this like you may have surplus drugs from your walgreens or something sitting in your cupboard and most people will just flush that down get rid of it 
but then that goes into the water supply and that's very difficult to remove man-made drugs etc is very difficult to remove and i personally think more investment needs to happen across the world into water treatment plants you know i think in the us alone i think you may have over eighty thousand independent water treatment plants you know from providing water to big cities to little communities so not all of them will have maybe the latest tech or the latest filtration so um our guy travis he does a great piece on this going around um so if the listeners want to know more i think Travis is such a great individual of explaining these processes so well. And, and that's Travis Loop and the, the podcast is Water Loop. We'll have a description down below. Uh, I, I listened to every minute of your podcast you did with Travis. So hopefully we won't be too redundant, but I, I invite listeners to go check out that podcast. And um, yeah, it's so informative. So there's different levels then of water treatment plants. So a water treatment plant, say in an affluent area, might be different than one in a non-affluent area. Is that even in a in a in a world a, a United States of uh, country that's the richest in the, in the world? Um, yeah, it, it it all depends on who's managing it, who's funding it. Um, you know, the goal is to provide wholesome, clean water but it could leave that water treatment plant and then enter pipes that haven't been maintained or, you know, over a hundred years old. We have that issue here in the UK, you know, with old Victorian pipes, et cetera. So what, what my bug is, is that there's amazing water tech out there. Yeah, but it's very slow to get into the right places at the right time to deal with all of these emerging micro pollutants, PFAS, um, and, and not even just those, that there are other issues with uh, disinfection byproducts in the water that they identified in the 80s, 90s. So um, you need to move with the times. The more we pollute, the better technology needs to be to help filter uh, water um, so it comes wholesome out, out of the tap. How does a person know if their tap water is of high quality? So, um, you know, depending on where you live, you could go to your local water utility provider. Like for us here in London, we have Thames Water. You can go onto their website and get um, the analysis of what the water quality is. And it will give you a full, full range from chemical or biological parameters of the water. But I'm, you know, here in the UK, it's pretty well regulated. I know Thames Water doesn't get a good press because it's a privatized company. You know, shareholders take the lion's share without the investment into the infrastructure. However, you need to give a lot of trust into your water utilities. I know, you know, issues in America like Flint, etc. That there has to be such a wake-up call, you know, for everybody. Do not leave it to just the individuals that are supposed to be managing it. It needs to be a community effort. Everybody has a say in regards to what happens to the water and how it's managed that comes out of the tap. And in your opinion, what is the best manner? Uh, is it a private, is it a government? In, in, a, in your perfect scenario, who do you think manages the water the best? <sighs> mix, mix, mix reviews, because there's, you know, in the UK, privatisation at first was pretty good, but now 
you know, I think it's been 30 years. Now you're seeing the realness of it, of just fat cats wanting to make money and just, yeah. Um, me personally, it's communities taking control. You know, communities getting together, understanding the water quality, the water treatment, and driving home what we can do to create sustainable water, stop the leaks in the pipes, because that's just huge, you know, treated, processed water, which takes a lot of energy, just leaking out of pipes, madness. So it, it's a complex, it's a very, very complex um, discussion. But I think if you start with communities respecting water and understanding it a bit better, that's the best way forward, in my uh, professional opinion. And in, in your in your professional um, consulting world, you've gone to amazing amazing places. Can you tell us about some of the the cool spots you've you've done your work in? Yeah, of course. Um, my favorite spots are schools. You know, I give up my time for free to go in and do, and do the talks at schools because that there is magical. You know, you have a parent emailing going, "Oh, my kids are not interested in fizzy." pot of sodas and that you know they're intrigued about water and you know that that's rewarding but um you know I, i've managed to have some really cool um experiences i've been in new york twice last year with the world water film festival and then science capital rethink water event um and just a quick plug i think you need to get the world water film festival on this um podcast for real all right but yeah let's check link. it out sick um, been doing that. I've had the International Water Congress in Denmark, provided presentations there, Romania, um, Spain. Um, yeah, it, it, it's been great. Um, and there's, there's more coming. Um, we're doing a gig with the Bled Water Festival. I'm an advisor to them. So we're doing a gig in South Korea at the end of March. So I'm, I've been very humbled with this, um, but it's been very rewarding very rewarding inspiring others communities individuals just to rethink their relationship with water and and you know this is something that we'll touch on uh, during this so there's a take-home message for, for the audience all right well uh, should we um should we begin tasting any any waters to to, to start some conversation about about it yeah of course and, and, and yeah, enlighten yeah, of course. the the people as to how to um discuss water yeah of course um, we could give them a quick crash course, um, definitely. Awesome. So, um, um, which waters do you have? Yeah. So here, here's kind of I, here's what I have. I have these. Um, I have a selection here of the local tap water. Uh, I have yeah. Club Soda, Fiji, Evian, uh, Pellegrigio. Yeah. Um, oh, boom, yeah. boom, boom! Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Can, can, can you can you pronounce that for me? Gerolsteiner. It's like there we go. Mother Nature's Red Bull there. Yes, and uh, I don't believe you you have this one possibly path. And we got this one because of the high alkaline. And and I, I like some commentary about that. I know what you think about yeah, of it. Course. I like yeah. enlighten us to it. But um, what do you think about starting with the, the tap water? And since we've been talking so much about the tap water, and I, I kind of want to preface my tap water to you and the audience and the drama surrounding it. So uh, we get our water here in southeastern North Carolina, Wilmington from the Cape Fear River. Mm. And up up river, there is a uh, a, um, a factory that does uh, like, it, it's a PFAS 
central. Like they're dumping PFAS and they've been doing it since it was invented in the 70s. And it just became uh, to us as present mind in uh, 2000 and I believe it was 16. And so all this year, all these years, people have been consuming lots of PFAS unknowingly. And then when it happened, we were, I mean, I was drinking tap. My, my wife had been drinking tap water her whole life. I was drinking it, our children, and uh, everyone immediately went to bottled water. So I understand from Travis's episode with you that they've installed a system that removes the PFAS. And uh, I haven't done my, my due diligence in, in looking into the system. Is there such a system? And does this actually remove the PFAS? Yeah, so um, PFAS are very strong bonds, chemical chains, which are very, very difficult to break. So, you know, there are technologies in the market and the US are really, there's some really cool companies coming out of the US in regards to PFAS uh, control. But, you know, you can filter this stuff out. It's a forever chemical. You filter it, it will accumulate. Yeah. If you like, say, have an RO filter, okay, it will stick to the filter or stick to the activated granular carbon. Yeah, where does it go after? So, it's these forever chemicals. More, more research needs to be done, but there are emerging technologies. Um, if they become cheaper, those uh, technologies become more adaptable to water tr treatment plants. So. You know, there, there is positiveness um, from water tech to control this, but, you know, the, these companies that are dumping or have been dumping these chemicals, and it's not just the States, yeah? I, I did a PFAS masterclass with Dr. Peter Jarvis at Cranfield University just last year. It's across Europe. Um, we may not be as vocal yet as what's happening in America, and, you know, there's some pretty good, pretty big... Um, Law firms now getting involved with the 3M, the DuPonts, you know, it's, we're, we're going to be getting that wave. And um, I've, I've seen some uh, PFAS testing maps across the UK and Europe. It's hot. It's hot. It's red. It's red. Dots, 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 dots everywhere. And um, higher concentrations at industrial areas, airports are one as well. So, um, you know, you're not alone, but I believe in America, they've been pushing this forward, yeah, which is a good thing. So we're learning as well. Um, I think the EPA maybe set some parameters. I don't think they've done that yet in the UK. That's how behind we are. Interesting. So, and, and you guys are usually environmentally at least the forefront of stuff like that. I, I can imagine that in Africa and China and other spots where there's heavy industry, that there's probably no regulation. And in situations like that, the, it just gets into the water cycle. And does it just stay for as the water does for millions of years? There's PFAS yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So people like PFAS, like when people say PFAS and water, yes, water can carry it, but PFAS is everywhere from, you know, your pizza boxes. You know, you get a pizza takeaway, it might have some like PFAS coated materials to so your waterproof tops, etc. It is everywhere, but water is a universal solvent. So, you know, it can get into the water, it can get into the soil. Um, it, it, it is everywhere, but the nature of water, it picks everything up. Negatives, positives.
and I understand you don't uh or you don't like the uh, plastic bottles. What do you know about plastic shedding into the water in a plastic bottle? Yeah, so I've done again a micro um, um a masterclass in um, plastics in water. Um, yeah, you know plastics just shear off, shear off, shear off, and the smaller the particles, they just dissolve into the water in very very microscopic pieces. So yeah, plastics in soil, plastics in water, it's there. Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a pretty big subject, um, but the you know you need to start understanding the relationship of plastic in our lives, especially for bottled water. And I think I've got a solution that I'd like to share with your audience of what I think could be the future, looking back at history. Tell us more. Yeah, okay. So plastic and water, yeah? It's a bit like a forced marriage. Doesn't work. You can see all the plastic pollution, especially from bottled water. You know, there's this big thing of plastic, bottled water, shipping. It, it shouldn't happen. But if I were to show you this, okay? So this is a 150 year old clay bottle. This was the start of the bottled water industry from Germany, pretty close to where Gerald Stein is from. This is Seltzer's, the original name to Seltzer water, okay? This bottle here, it's still got its cork, if you can hear that, it's still got its cork in there, right? This was shipped all around the world to, you know, Central Africa, the Far East, uh, South America, you know, in the 1850s before. 100% recyclable, sturdy, earthenware, affordable. But what happens with um, clay, and I've, I've been doing a lot of uh, research to this. So check this, right? In civilization, from the Aztecs, the Romans, the Greeks, the Japanese, the Chinese, the British, every culture, every civilization has always used clay store water earthenware yeah water and clay is like a beautiful love marriage right the water breathes with the clay filters the water and what i love is depending on where the clay's from adds this sweetness this earthiness to the water which is for me extremely enjoyable so when i go india and even at home here by my kitchen have a big earthen pot so I fill my tap water in there. Let that little love, love marriage happen with the water and the clay for a little while, you know, maybe 12 hours overnight and then drink that water. I'll tell you, sure. The taste of the water is beautiful. The clay naturally cools the water. So you don't even have to put it in the fridge. But where I'm going with this is that clay and water storage has been around for centuries and it's worked helped purify the water to a certain extent. But what I see in the new world is all of these beautiful civilizations that have used the clay, they've used specific clays, you know, and these specific clays will have specific minerals. So like if you wanted like an earth, earth, uh, sweet earthy, maybe in like Indian terracotta clay, if you wanted something light and crisp, maybe a Japanese white clay, if you wanted, you know, from the Aztecs, the Incas, they had areas where they would, you know, 
get the clay and make the pots and the uh, water vessels. So, and, and, and a clay pot, and a clay pot, one, it's affordable, two, 100% recyclable, three, you're not inventing anything new. Civilization has done extremely well with the use of clay. And to be fair, um, I'll, I'll send you a little picture of what I use at home. If you want, it looks beautiful. It's a talking piece. You know, you can customize it, put some great artwork on the clay, whatever, um, and they last for ages. Well, what you really got me with was the ability for the human in the present moment to almost time travel hundreds of thousands of years to drink similar tasting water as the people did at those times by virtue of the kind of clay you source for your water vessel. 100%, 100%. You know, and, and that clay material is super, super abundant. And um, I did a, a media bit with uh, Brazil's national television channel, Record TV, like last week. And I was talking to the journalist and I was explaining the clays. And she was like, everybody in Brazil has a, a clay pot at home that they use. This is just tradition. This is what, you know, and, and there's some areas of Brazil where the tap water may not be great. I have the confidence to put that water into the clay pot, let, the, let that beautiful marriage happen and drink the water. And um, Ayurvedic medicine says like clay can help reduce acidity in the stomach. The minerals from the clay are very good for the body. The taste of it for me is just silky, earthy, sweet, beautiful. It's great. So I think um, just something for the listeners to think about, you know, the plastic and the water. Um, I, look, I've got a little clay cup up here. Jesus. You know, little clay cup. Put your water in it, drink from it. Um, they do water bottles of a similar size um, of clay. Customise them, put beautiful artwork on it. Um, I, I personally think that is the future. Um, and like in areas where we have good quality tap water, many people still do not drink that tap water and want to put it through a bit Brita jug of some sort. Yeah, that Brita jug is plastic. The internal you need to dispose of and they are expensive. My professional opinion with what I've been trying out, clay, Brita, clay all the way. So understand what, what, what your water is coming out of your tap and then work backwards, you know, it's. Is there an industry around this right now, as far as these sourcing clay uh, water vessels? Is this a thing that, that I'm missing? Because this is the first time I've heard about it. And it seems like the, you know, this is all the rage in America right now, the Stanley. Yeah, I've heard, and, I've heard, and, and, yeah. and I, I see, I see, look, look at this Snooky straw the, and there's propaganda saying there's lead in here or something. I see a entire movement of sort of clay from different regions of the world, like you were saying, Asia, South America, all with different flavors and, and branding. Is there not such a thing yet or is there? I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I'm just one guy, and this is something that I'm working on. Um, I've got a trip out to India at the end of the year where I've been discussing where they've been making these clay pots for, for such a long time um, to sort of understand the soil, the clay. Um, these are all handmade, but it, it's, it's just something that I'm just working on in the background 
day job and everything else. So it's um, something that I want to bring that education um, to the people. Yeah. But from what I've done so far, it's exciting. It really is. And uh, people that have been trying the clay waters, the different styles, because I do a lot of presentations at the London Water and Steam Museum. Um, and I will have my clay pot there. And a lot of people are, oh, wow, this is good. You know, just taking your tap water, which here it's of a wholesome potable supply. When you put it in the clay, it just takes it to another level. So, yeah. Dude, so huge. So huge. I, I kind of want to, though, you had me at a high level of interest when you were talking about the deep history of the clay in cultures around the world and the water vessel concept because they didn't have means of transporting water maybe the most elite civilizations with the greek aqueducts but that was a yeah. that wasn't everywhere in the world even at that time and before that they needed something to put the water in can you speak to the earliest forms of the water vessel yeah i it, it would have to be clay yeah um you know clay maybe wrapped in hemp so it didn't break things like that but yeah the earliest form is clay yeah. And, pe and people would, as much as they would need to hunt, people would need to forge for water. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, touching on that, okay. Check this, right? Na natural water springs were the pharmacies. Okay. You know, now you, you go down the high street, there's a Walgreens, there's, you know, you, you take a pill for a headache, a leg ache, whatever it is but water was more like a medicine. There would be specific springs where people would go for specific ailments. So if you had stomach issues, you'd go to this spring. If you had mental health issues, you'd go to one spring, right? There was this um, archeological dig in New York City, Lower Manhattan, yeah? And at the time, like the 1890s, sort of you know, it, it was a slum. A lot of immigrants from um, Europe, but what they were finding as part of this archaeological dig was sparkling bottles of water and a whole bunch of them. And it was only in one community that was coming over from Europe. So, you know, you had the Germans, you had the Swiss, you had the um, Irish, you had um, African-Americans all, all in that lower Manhattan area. But they kept on finding sparkling water bottles in one community only, and that was the Irish. I was thinking, well, how could they afford this? Because at that time, spark sparkling water was the rage. Artificially uh, made sparkling water, sulfamic acid, bit of like, say, marble dust. But what was happening is that when they were leaving Ireland from like the potato famine coming over to New York, living in squalor, it wasn't great. Yeah. A lot of disease. But one thing that they knew back from back home in Ireland was that they had special springs for different ailments. And the natural bubbles from Mother Nature at these springs. And it was their connection to the other world. So they couldn't afford to go to the hospitals or anything. But they knew that back home, drinking this sparkling water, naturally occurring sparkling water from the ground, would make them better. So in New York, they couldn't go to the doctor. So they started to drink and make their own sparkling water to pass around the community, knowing that it had that effect back home. It's going to have this effect and they also found this in san francisco as well just 
loads of so that connection of water as medicine you shouldn't just look at it as water um natural springs across america as well saratoga is, is is a great example of healing springs some of these springs had higher mineral content uh, some had lithium you know very low dose of lithium that would just make you feel good so um looking at water and its minerals within is the key don't look at ph do not look at ph you cannot ph regulate your body man i'm telling you but there's um an element called total dissolved solids tds and it'll be on the back of all the majority of all the bottles that's where the magic is in water yeah and what is the tds yeah so tds will be the accumulation of minerals calcium magnesium silica bicarbonate uh, potassium chlorides sodium healthy sodium you know that's um so a low tds i would describe like a um like a light white wine high tds high mineral like a rich red wine so you have that spectrum so if you start from low it might be light lower in minerals and you jump up to a higher TDS, it'll be like super strong. You'll be able to taste taste the waters. So that that that's the beauty of it. If you focus on that, it just opens a beautiful drinking water culture, a drinking water lifestyle. You kind of get why you drink water and for what reason. And um, you know, I have a lot of people contacting me. Oh, I've got headaches. I've got this. I've got that. And, you know, the first thing is, you know, water intake. But then drinking different styles of water with different minerals that your body needs and um what happens is when i do like these water tasting events some people drink some of these mineral waters you see it in their eyes their whole face just lights up and i'm just looking at them going and they've uh, drank that mineral water and the body's just like oh my god give me more give me more this is good this is good and i think um one of the waters that you showed showed me that you have will probably give you that um reaction excellent and we're going to get right to it in a second but i have, yeah. I have a couple more questions here if i yeah, may yeah. So, so does the does is there any mineral in the tap water that's that's coming out of the tap does that do yeah. does that water have minerals in it tds it does yeah so depending on your local geology yeah um, there'll be levels of calcium magnesium etc but you know the tap water goes through some treatments to clean purify maybe chlorinate if it has to travel real far you know there, there are communities around the world yeah that do not chlorinate yeah like the dutch yeah since the 1970s and i think everybody every water utility every government needs to take note of what the dutch have been doing so since the 1970s they understood that the uh, byproducts of chlorine were no good so they stopped chlorinating their water and just looked after the water treatment facility and the pipework. They just went like OG mode on it. And now, like when I go, there is no chlorine in that water. And it's great, it's good, but it can be done. It can be done. So, you know, aging infrastructure, et cetera, does need it and chlorine has played a huge role in wholesome clean safe water where people don't get sick don't get me wrong but we can learn from others and and your major point here is 
the chlorine's not ideal for you. It might take away the bacteria. It's almost a cover because the treatment and pipes aren't ideal. Is, do I have that right? In, in scenarios, yes. Like long distributions, look big cities, they do need to add that chlorine to reduce microbiological growth that can make people sick, cholera epidemics, E. coli, coliforms, cryptosporidium, all of that. Yeah. So um, there are ways of just clay potting your water <laughs> or just letting it um, air. Um, but it all depends on where you live um, from the water treatment works. You know, if you live pretty close, it may have a, a stronger dose of and chlorine. Is, is this because there's periods in the transport of that water where it might be sitting as opposed to moving? Because when water is moving, it's hard for stuff to grow. But if it's sitting, that's when you might need the chlorine. And usually those occur, you know, at a, at in big cities, like you said, that have the need for the yeah. pressure and the yeah, storage. So, yeah, 100% water loves to be moving. Once water's stagnating, that's when the trouble happens. But to keep that wholesome, clean supply through the big cities so everybody gets clean water, then, yeah, they will add either ozone, chlorine, um, disinfection um, to just allow the water to transport with a residual of, like disinfectant. So by the time it gets to the end, it's still of a safe uh, possible. Um, safe, it's, it's a big decision. Safe but not ideal to the taste as, as we would prefer. Yeah, some, some people are more sensitive. You know, everybody's palate is different, yeah? But some are more sensitive to the chlorine than others. However, if you are taught from a young age of water tastes completely different, like Mother Nature, right? Has more flavor than Baskin and Robbins, Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola put together, standard. But we weren't educated to discover that water's just water, it's all the same. But there is not one tap water or natural spring that is identical to another around the world and that's a fact wow that yeah. is crazy even though it's all water it's all yeah. different 100 percent to acknowledge that and that's where it needs to change so on that note the locality of these springs is is one of the things that really i am so passionate about when i choose a, a bottled water the the fact that the Fiji water came so far and I am now taking a, a sip of water from uh, such a foreign place, uh, the, the different mineral content is different at all the springs around the world. As you said, uh, are, which ones are your favorite, I guess I, I should say? Yeah, of course. So, you know, for me, my favorite water is tap water, 100%. And that, that's what I advocate for doing what we're doing. Yeah. However, there's a water, right, from the Portuguese Azores, okay? Oh, wow, right. So under volcanic pressure, it has um, about 85 milligrams a liter of silica, this mineral, and it's really found in volcanic regions. Um, and it's got these natural bubbles under volcanic pressure, CO2 bubbles, like effervescent, like the bubbles are there, but then they're not. And you drink this, it, it's like this, like beautiful light bubbles on the palate with this old, almost like silky, oily feel to the water. And it, it's, it's out of this world and I enjoy it so much. Like, it's like a fine wine, 
you don't drink it every day, but every time I do, I will put it in the best stemware and drink that water. But, you know, our relationship with bottled water, bottled water is not going anywhere. We, and we should not be in this culture of just opening it and drinking, oh, it's gonna hydrate me, I need it. You're just to take pause, yeah? If, you, if you're picking up a bottle of water, everybody has a smartphone in their hand, just Google, where does this water come from? The geography, the geology, the terroir, um, the vintage of water. You know, like you talk about wine and vintage, water and vintage. So when it last rained, how long has it taken to go through Mother Nature's strata of, you know, rocks, the geology before it comes back up to the surface? And I kid you not, once you start doing this, oh, wow, you will just look at water in a different way. You know, the mythical legends of um, of the springs, and it's, it's annotated in history, you know, there's such beautiful backstories of every single, Topo Chico, you heard that, heard of that water? Oh, oh I, I did, I did, but tell our audience, because I did research that, uh, please. Yeah, please. so like, yeah, I said, Princess, she was ill, and this spring in Mexico, drink the water, she got well, you know, that has been dotted in history for every single spring. There's some indigenous tribes, the way they respected it, the healing potential of these waters, but that's all been lost. And like the waters that we're gonna be trying today all have that back backstory, but we're not. Okay, so, yeah. so that, that's another element inside to this that I, I didn't even realize these springs are as old as the cultures who enjoyed them before uh, modern culture started bottling there. So yeah. the, that, that spring maybe in Fiji, I just re referred to this, the Fijians were probably nourishing their bodies from that spring uh, yeah. hundreds of thousands of years ago when they were on the island. Um, that's mind blowing. So uh, the, the vintage is another element that also brings me to a, another state. When the, the, the rain goes and does its thing and falls through the different elements, what are the elements? And is that where the, the uh, TDS is, is being gathered? And I, as, you, as you say, each TDS is different based upon the region of the world. And, and how, how, how does the amount of TDS reflect in the time it takes for the, yeah. the vintage to occur? Yeah, of course. Great, great question. So time and vintage. So the more the water is flowing over geological strata, the rocks, etc., the more of that TDS is going to be influenced in that water. So, you know, there's some waters that are, say, 50,000 years old or more. OK. You know, we've still got the same volume of water, but it's what, what we haven't what we haven't been taught at school you know the water cycle yeah evaporation condensation precipitation when the precipitation hits the ground that's it we don't we're not taught anymore and that's where the magic happens because that's where it's going to be absorbing and even natural carbonation i.e the bubbles in the water mother nature would do that in certain areas of the world you know, you've got natural carbonated springs in the US, in Europe, Japan, and these are like magical. These waters come up bubbling out of the ground with those bubbles. 
how is that and what's happening there? Yeah, so um, underground, um, like in old, maybe volcanic regions, you have a lot of pressure in CO2 pockets, carbon dioxide. And under Mother Nature's pressure, the water come together and the bubbles, the CO2 infuses into the water and then it's trapped. And then it will come emerge to the, um, the, to the ground, to the surface as an artesian spring or just under its own pressure come up and some of these waters oh man you drink these i call it mother nature's red bull like if you're feeling down if you're feeling uh tired if you're feeling hungover whatever it is whatever that vibe is water is the cure well we have the red bull as as you described should we go right to it since we're on that subject of the bubbles or is there a process here you'd like to take process. us through? yeah yeah let's go through okay the process. let's we're go through the process yeah and so if, you, if you if you i'm sorry to interrupt I, if you don't mind i would also as we enjoy these for you to also touch on the region and what you know about uh kind of the the things that we've been speaking about and yeah, elaborate of course. of course so um i guess you've got tap water i do yeah all right, so the number one beverage of our lives. Here we go. Love, love the stemware. Thank you. I, I found the nicest glass I could in the house. And um, just before we start, I get this a lot. Um, what's the best way to drink water? And I would say in a nice stem, stemware, we give wine, beautiful glass. Why can't we give water the beautiful glass? But what I like to do is just whisper something nice to the water before you drink it. Simple. <laughs> I love Speaking you. Speaking for Speaking <laughs> Yes. So, um, yeah, I've got my tap water here. It's good. Is, is that filtered or non-filtered so so this is the water that come from the came from the tap that is from the cape fear river and yeah. it has gone through the purification process that's brand new i don't know what it's called but they're advertising it on the tv there was uh, a, uh an advertisement the other day that had a woman walking down the road saying how she's going to go spend all this money she was saving from uh not buying bottled bottled water anymore so the water company's really promoting their new system on our tv screens and um, it does taste great. And again, does it still have PFAS residual or is it completely gone as good as reverse osmosis water? There's only one way to find out. Take that to a lab and get it tested. And this is what I do in the UK, for like companies, private individuals, um, testing waters, etc. And maybe just not like the taste, but the mouthfeel of water, because water, has nuances you know you need to really focus be mindful when you drink like really focus your mind of i'm going into this and i want to explore but like uh the mouthfeel of it as well does it feel light does it feel heavy does it feel silky does it feel chalky um that plays a, a big influence as well but if you were to maybe do tap water and fiji and just compare and contrast <laughs> And the Fiji water has such a unique smell to it. How would you describe that? 
Well, knowing it came from the tropics, first the word earthy comes to mind because there is an element of earth, but it does have the volcanic system that I understand it's from. So maybe I would would say it has that element in it. What I would like you to do is um, take your tap and the Fiji and just compare and contrast and just look, there is no right or wrong. We're using vocabulary to describe, but how, how, okay. how would you, how would you, um, I would say the, the tap water is sharper and yeah. the Fiji water is very smooth and silky and preferable, honestly. And I must say they're both at room temperature, which I understand from previous, uh, a commentary from you that, that that's a, the ideal way to analyze the flavor. Is that true? Hundred percent. Yeah. So room temperature around sixteen degrees is a bit of a sweet spot. Still waters, and um, I quite liked your vocabulary that you used. Did Did you think you were going to wake up this morning and like describe water as like, you know, sharp, silky, smooth? Um, I I did it, I, and, and in fact, I was kind of like thinking, how am I going to do it? And then I was like, you know what? We're just going to do it. I I didn't go to the the source, uh, and I I said, well, we're just going to play play by ear here and that that's exactly what came to mind and you're right and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the reason to why um each water was different so with this fiji water you know your tap water is good and the local water authority has put some um you know water taking place to give wholesome water but where, where you described the water like was it focused on the tap water and sharp and then that silky smooth with the Fiji, that's the mineral content in play. So with that Fiji water, if you look at the mineral composition on the back, the, um, the Fiji water is very, very high in silica, natural silica, which comes from like volcanic regions, which this water's from. But silica, when you drink it, it's silky, kind of oily, kind of silky, very, very smooth. Um, I like to describe it as like Chardet's uh, smooth operator, very silky, very smooth. And and that, that is the difference of, of the minerals that you, your mouth feel, bit of the taste, etc. And, um, you know, Fiji water with like um, a sweet dish works really well. Um, or spicy foods where that silkiness kind of coats the mouth, you know. So, so it's so beautifully said. So good. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, when you focus, not on pH, just park that up to one side, man. Like, the whole pH thing, it's just bullshit. Sorry. Well, t- tell, tell us a little <laughs> bit more there, because there's a whole industry built upon around it. When I go to my health food store, there's a, a separate latch to fill up the water bottle that says, this has been pH-ified, and it's like four times as much money. Uh, is, it a, is it a scam? Yeah, so... When it's sold as pH, regulate your body, pH your life, everything's going to be good. That's just a scam. Like, majority of the time, it is genuinely tap water taken into a factory, completely stripped out. Um, Essentia, they reached out to me to do some consultancy work. You know what I said? Your, Your water is nothing but a chicken nugget. Yeah, I'm not getting involved. Oh, my God, the integrity. Yeah, Pepsi yeah. reached out. I said, you know what? I'm not getting involved. Oh, here's a bigger paycheck. I said, no, not getting involved. Go wow, away. impressive. So, majority of the time, it is tap water. 
taken into a factory, completely stripped out of everything to where the water's dead. You cannot drink it. And then within that factory, via electrolysis or just putting some sprinkles of bicarbonate to raise the pH. You know, it, it's the process of your local water authority cleaning up that water so it's possible or drinkable, and then using the energy again to sell it and then sold back to you because it's pH regulated or whatever, it's a scam. Uh, some people drink these pH waters and they're like, oh, I'm feeling great. Professional opinion, you're just drinking more. Yeah? Some people invest in these tangent alkaline water machines. I'm not here to say no, don't drink it. But um, your stomach acid is off, like, say, a 2.1, and it needs to maintain at that. The more you consume high pH waters, the more it dilutes. And that's a fact. So, so, so a placebo is really what's going on. Yeah. Like, unless a medical doctor, you have a medical condition, uh, maybe kidneys or something, and, you know, they're like, if you could try to drink high alkaline waters, yeah, cool. But, you know, I'm not here to stop anybody. If you're drinking more water and you're feeling good, boom. But when it comes to your so, professional opinion, it's the spring mm -hmm. and the, the process of the water going through the earth that is what the best waters deliver to the body. Yeah, um, you know, there's good tap waters, there's good natural spring waters, natural alkaline water from Mother Nature, go for that. Do not waste your money on these hydro boosted and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, there's one company called Smart Water. Trust me, you're not very smart if you're purchasing that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's just that sort of drinking water culture that drink water lifestyle just being a bit more in tune to where the water's from and hey look there is no fairy tale of a water made in a factory yeah you try explaining that to a kid but if you've explaining the natural source of a water and the fairy tale behind it it's captivating they're engaged and from my experience they don't want to drink soda they want to explore water and discuss this in the playground. It's a win-win. So next water. One question more about the silica. So the mm. silica is a key factor of the volcanic process of the water. Is that is that what I understand yeah. correctly? Yeah, so silica mineral um, tends to be rich at like prehistoric volcanic regions or active volcanic regions. Silica is great your skin, hair, nails. But, you know, Fiji water is never promoted for its silica content. It's promoted because, hey, it looks cool on, it looks bougie, it's on Hollywood, you know, all the A-listers. You know, I, I was in New York um, back in September and I went for a run early morning. I see all of everyone dressed up for their morning run, everybody at Fiji. And then in my head, I was like, do you know why this water is special? besides looking cool. And it, it, genuinely, it's got such a high natural silica content, um, but it's never promoted that way. So, um, you know, I'm not promoting drink Fiji water, but if you are prepared, treat it like the most special beverage in the world and get in tuned from where it's from. And hopefully it will inspire you to help people of the island to access better water as well.
if we're, if we're taking water from that island and drinking it and enjoying it, what can we do to help? So that, that's that's the ethos. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Which one would you like to uh, go to next? So what I would suggest is uh, keep your Fiji and let's go with Evian. So what do you know about the region uh, where the Evian comes from in the Alps? Yeah, so um, it's a very, very popular water. It's got about a 15-year vintage. And what, what, what was the Fiji water vintage? I would say in the region of about maybe around 60, 70 years. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. that that's quite a difference in time between yes. the Evian and the Fiji. So yeah. th does that factor alone almost make the Fiji more valuable? No, no. The vintage is just giving you an idea, a snapshot of time. The water is enjoyed, Mother Nature, the geology, working its way through before it comes to the final output of the spring. So vintage is just really to give you a better understanding of the time it's taken to produce such a fantastic water here. So these, these two waters um, are kind of in a similar TDS, but very, very different minerals. So taste, go back and forth between the two. Well, before I go, I, I'm looking at the mm -hmm. bottle and it says silica 15 and the Fiji silica was 93 mill milligrams so that's, that's, a, that's a huge difference yeah huge. that's a huge difference right yeah and where the 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 evian has a high amount would be in the uh region of, of which mineral here would you say it's a high in calcium okay well what i'd like you to do is um compare and contrast the two and just use vocabulary of And it's very important, this element of the vocabulary, and I'll tell you why after. Mm. So where the tap water was sharp and the Fiji was silky smooth, this is kind of like a crystally flavor. There's no bubbles, but it's, it's pure. The, the the purity you can feel it beautiful beautiful vocabulary beautiful for me i find the evian heavier it's got a bit of a, a dryness to it because of the elevated calcium levels um it can finish a bit creamy and then when i can um, contrast it with the Fiji, it's like chalk and cheese. The two waters are completely chalk and cheese. This is softer, a lot smoother, lighter. Um, yeah. Spot on every single point you just made, like, mm. like brilliant. But once you mindfully drink water, you're like, hold on a minute, I feel like something a bit smoother, or I've had a spicy dish, let me um, grab uh, the Fiji and these minerals are good for you so some some waters have more calcium than a pint of milk that is so incredible you, yeah so if you're vegan or 
you know, you need to get some calcium into your body. There, there's some waters out there that have three or 400 milligrams a litre of calcium, which is really, really good for you. So, you know, looking at water is not that hydration. And just to touch on, you know, I asked you to express vocabulary. Do you know why? Tell us. So globally, right, we have vocabulary for gin, whiskey, tea, coffee, champagne, every other beverage but water. And with that vocabulary for all of these other beverages, globally, we can communicate about it. We add value. And some bottles of wine are more than people's yearly salaries. Yeah. But we have never been encouraged to use vocabulary for water. And we just did it with two waters and the way you express vocabulary. So, you know, teaching the youngsters, teaching people that, hey, taste water mindfully. Yes, there are nuances. It's not like a strong beverage that we have been accustomed to, but it's definitely there. Yeah. So using vocabulary to describe water will only elevate the communication of the value of water. If we, if we can do it for every other beverage, why the can't we do this for water and communicate? You know, hey, Sean, I had this beautiful Fiji water down the beach. It was soft, it was silky. You know, I had a hot tamale after the Fiji water just hydrophilically coated my mouth. Kids, kids do it really well. Kids do it really well. How did you develop your vocabulary? What what were the did you pick up the the, the, the thesaurus and discover the words? What was your process of developing your skill here? Yeah, of course. Um, the skill is there is no skill. It is genuinely mindfully, like you know, we discussed looking at the backstory of where the water's from, the vintage, the geology, the mythical legends, just diving deep into it before I. Open this, deep dive, and then taste, compare and contrast. And the vocabulary element, express yourself. There is no right or wrong mouthfeel. When I'm doing these water tastings, yeah, I have people say, it reminds me of my grandmother's house. It, 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 it reminds me of being in love. It reminds me of chilling on a beach. It reminds me of happy. Um, I'll, I'll send you some pictures of the pictures that I take. I call it aqua tasteology. And when I do these water tastings, we, we go through the waters and I just throw pens, big, big piece, big notepads, and just express yourself. And once you do that with a group of people, and I encourage people to do this at home, it's going to change everything. At home, ask friends and family to bring tap water from their house to yours, if you wish, some bottled waters, a pen, a pad. Look at the TDS levels and start from low to high. And have some fun just tasting waters together. I swear down, it's going to be that holy shit moment. Oh, wow. This, we taste the difference. That's when you, that, and that's the only way you are going to be able to communicate the value of water. Because if we can value wine in that way and, and other beverages, teas and coffees, we can do it for water. And that's, and that's what needs to be taught at schools because it stays with them for life, for life.
That, that's so interesting because I think we were doing it all wrong. We were doing a blind taste test style. It's like, oh, I can tell the difference between that. And the way you set it up is you really need to know where it's coming from. You need to enjoy the fact of the process when in the, in the moment of describing because all those elements are interlinked to the enjoyment. Yeah. And like we are so lucky living where we do. Got access, 20 seconds to the tap to drink the waters and then we have a range of you know you've got you okay here we go let's go a bit deep so we, we spoke about um kids families having to travel to a well missing school and everything to get those waters what was your experience picking up those waters well i actually um uh, talked to my lovely wife who's sitting behind me here <laughs> and, and she uh she delivered them to me through um whatever mechanism she purchases things through. And uh, it, was, it was very convenient. Water delivery, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it's that relationship of, do not just open water for, you know, if it's come from a natural source or something, this is, this is taking centuries to make. And we're just guzzling it like it's just nothing because the relationship is, hey, it's water. You know, oh, it comes in a fancy bottle or I saw it in Hollywood and they're drinking it and yeah, it's bougie, but it's, there's so much to discover. So much, so much. But, but, but I should, I, I should have, have Cornelia, Cornelia, if you could wave to uh, Malin. She, she's sharing the, the, her office with me today for this podcast. Oh, cool. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I, I can't really wait to share my, th this knowledge that you've, dropped on us today with the family tonight because it's such a great social uh building activity um and positive i've like i've done so many water tasting events right oh my god people like genuine people just looking at me in the eyes going oh wow like this this just changes my relationship with water my perception of water i've I've even been able to do some very, very influential individuals. I can't say who. The next day they called me and they said, I've just invested 200,000 in a water charity because of this, of just tasting water. And I'm like, thank you. Like, if you can influence people or get people just to make more better decisions. So it's not just buying bottled waters, plastic bottled waters, throwing it away. Yeah. It definitely helps, definitely. So um, yeah, it's all it's all about the vocabulary, and it's very easy to do, very easy to do. I did a um, water tasting right um, in Edinburgh. There was over two hundred and fifty people in that audience, and they were like, like there's some pretty influential people from the states, from Europe, um, and it was it's never been done before. And I have never seen CEOs. And these are these are CEOs of water treatment companies, Scottish Water and that. This pump in the air, taking selfies, coming up on stage. It, it was incredible. And they were all tasting water, going, this is the best thing that we've ever done. And um, on each table, they had pens and, and big pads, and they were just writing their experiences, the taste, the bubbles of joy, whatever it was. And then I got all of this and put it on a big board, and people were just looking at it, going, is this how we've described water? The vocabulary, the expressions, it was just crazy. And people were just looking at it thinking, there's, there's more to it. So um, yeah, 
I, I would love to know how you get on later on with the fam. I think it's going to be special. It will. It will. Where, <laughs> where, where, where would you like to go next with my selection? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's. Um, so we're going to do the sparkling. Yeah. Okay. Should, should we try a um a? I also have this kind of sparkling, which is just a a soda mixer. I don't know yeah, if yeah. that's because because yeah. I would say this would be the factory kind, and this is the nat natural kind. Um, yeah. Which one would you like so to to, for yeah, me to so try we'll, first? We'll do, go with your club soda, then go with the San Pellegrino, and then Geraldstein. All right. So that Geraldstein is one of my favorites. Yes, yeah, yes, my, go, mine too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how you call it the Red Bull of sparkling water. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. German engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the club soda uh from the harris teeter out of a can yeah very very bubbly coming out so th this is formed with with co2 from um from like the factory injected in injected yeah in, and that's why there's bubbles yeah and the bubbles are huge yeah boom explosive lots of bubbles it's and, like doing around with Tyson, eh? Big bubbles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Round of Tyson perfectly set. I do love it, however. And I'll, I'll, I'll drink these uh, instead of beer sometimes. And just for that high carbon, uh, carbonation yeah. feeling going down the mouth, the throat. The bubbles uh, of joy just go. <laughs> right. But, but this doesn't have any minerals. Per, probably unless there's minerals in the the water already very right? very low very low yeah very low but um if you were now to compare that with the san pellegrino i could give you a bit of backstory of san pellegrino please do so san pellegrino a fantastic natural water from italy the north it's artificially carbonated so if you were to drink this water it's directly from the spring it's fantastic still so it's artificially carbonated. Um, you get it all around the world because of Coca-Cola's reach. And um, to be fair, you know, if you're out having a meal, it will probably be Aquapano or San Pellegrino on the table. So people think of sparkling water as San Pellegrino, but there are so many different sparkling waters. So I just had a sip. And I would yeah. call it a smoother experience, maybe more enlightened. It's not as yeah. it's not as jam packed, full of explosions. Ooh, my, nice. My, thank you. Uh, <laughs> tiny, tiny little little uh, hand grenades, and they're um, it, it's very enjoyable. So the the it's a it's a still water that they inject to make the bubbles. So it's a consistent experience as they ship it around the world. Is that is yeah. that what I'm getting here? Uh, yeah, that's right. And um, these big corporates with water. So in France at the moment, um, there's some brands that have been doing some naughty things of filtering the waters. And if you class it as a natural spring water, there should be no modification. And what gets me about this brand is this water is found everywhere around the world. Yeah, in mass quantities. But what gets me is that the spring is a natural product, so there's always going to be fluctuations. And I think they do modify this. 
in some way, it's Coca-Cola, man. How can a product of Mother Nature be so, so, so consistent? Can't. I, I, I personally think they modify. And if I get a lawsuit from Coca-Cola, I'll deal with it. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just putting statement facts, okay? Um, but again, there's some amazing other waters that you should just never heard of. And so, it's it it's the fanciest so-called fancy uh, of 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 this um, sparkling water. Yeah, that that is so, that is found everywhere. Yeah, that's right because because of, of the distribution reach. But um, you know, it's got a high level of sulfates, pretty good for digestion after a meal. It's got bicarbonate, which gives it that kind of chalkiness. Yeah, as uh, chlorides, good level of calcium. So it's a high like mineral content water. There's a lot of minerals with the sparkling, but if you were to allow the bubbles to dissipate, then try it. Boom, that's where the magic is. It's 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 really nice. And that's just the taste of the minerals in the water. So even if you were to leave a little out, just leave the glass in the sun, you'll see all the minerals. And like, when you look at these minerals, they'll create really cool patterns. And that's, what your body needs that's that's where it is that's where it's at and what do you know about this region in italy as far as the the topography uh, the spring itself any cultural lore around it oh huge amount you know um if, if you were to look at majority of these older bottled waters they'll always have a date like here it's 1899 so that's when it was first bottled and that's even prior to a lot of the beverages that we drink now so a lot of these natural waters have been bottled for a very, very long time. Uh, for this spring here, um, it's got a, a lot of the chlorides, the bicarbonates, which gives it its distinctive taste. And then they add the CO2 to give the uh, sparkling. But a lot of um, heritage, this water. But this water was mainly, at the beginning, used as a medicinal water for people to come and drink waters and get healthy, get fit. But then people were like, oh, you know, we visited this spring. We enjoyed the waters. I felt better. Let's put it in a bottle and start shipping. And then that bottled water turned into this. So, yeah, that, that's where, where this has come from. And because of the region, we can think Roman times, even going further back. They, they, there were specific springs, like the Romans would come to the UK, go through Romania, through Europe, and there were specific springs that they would drink out of even before battle, because they knew that this water had healing, had energy, and yeah, there's all, all dotted across Europe, um, these special springs where people would go. What's your favorite myth you've come across? My favorite myth would be the myth of Pegasus in Slovenia, and it's got one of the world's richest magnesium waters, right? This is strong, strong water. And uh, Pegasus hit his hoof so hard on the ground that the spring erupted. And I love that. And I love the Topo Chico stories. There's so many, so many untold uh, backstories of these springs, you know? So, so yeah. beautiful. And, uh, which which um, uh, water should we try next? So if you want to do a, a compare and contrast of San Pellegrino and Gerostone. 
Now, this Gerald Steiner, does this have the carbonate that's naturally formed in the rock, or do they add the bubbles too? What I would suggest, compare and contrast, use your vocabulary, and I'll tell you. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so, yeah just, just go blind. Yeah, Well, not blind, but... Uh, yep. And now, just for a comparison, we were talking about sulfates. This is as a sulfate level of 35, so kind of it's higher than the Evian, but um, a lot lower still than... The, yeah. the Fiji. Well, once you've tasted it, read out the minerals to me. All right. And I'm, I'm pouring it, and the bubbles are, are beautiful bubbles, large, fluffy. Uh, some are Ooh, I like that. Large tiny and, fluffy. and, nice. and microscopic. And it was a beautiful pour. Mm. Wow. Okay. So where the club soda had the explosions, this had explosions, but they were softer, but still large in contrast to the Appel Grigio that had the, the, the subtle pops. This was, yeah. this was a large pop that was soft. And if you were to go back to the Pel San Pellegrino and back to Gerald Stein and tell me, tell me. Okay. This is Germany v Italy here, hey? <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Jill Steiner wins hands down, in my opinion. The reasoning, I would say, is because of the matching smoothness with the robustness. So there's a there's a robustness that it's kind of a middle ground between the the two the two tastes prior. And yeah. uh, very, very, it's a beautiful experience. Yeah, it's very good water. Um, if you were to read out the mineral content of Gerald Steiner from the bottle. So the calcium is 345, magnesium yep. 100, bicarbonate 1800, potassium 10, sodium 115, chloride 40, so other minerals, 55, and then mineral content total, 2,500. It, it seems out of all the ones we've had, that's the highest mineral count. Yeah. So, for example, um, tap water for me is around uh, TDS 300, and that is 2,200. So it's a highly mineralized, natural carbonated water. Comes out of the ground in that state with the bubbles. In incredible that blows my mind wow so nature made all these bubbles here yeah yeah and they were so, able to to package it in germany in this beautiful yeah. bottle and ship it yeah that is incredible in germany they have over 800 natural springs so for example if you were to go to a supermarket in germany they have a dedicated water aisle, which sometimes is bigger than the liquor aisle because they've got so many different springs. And depending on your lifestyle, what you want to get from the water, you, you choose specific waters from very champagne-like bubbles to like, you know, 10 rounds with Mike Tyson, big, bold bubbles. Um, different types of minerals. Each spring has its own, own bubble. Yeah, it could be still, like a natural still water, 
or because um, there's a lot of old volcanic regions in Germany where these naturally carbonated high mineral content waters come from. Yeah. Have and you, you know what's, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, and you know what's interesting in like Germany and Switzerland that some of these waters like uh, oh, where is it? Oh, here we go. Yeah, check this. And this is what so you see this, it says Hilsi water. Yeah, that's a health water. Okay, so across Europe, they don't do this in the UK, and I wish they would, but this would be in a pharmacy. Okay, and the pharmacist may say, Oh, you've got a headache, drink this for a week, and then come back, and we'll give you some pills. So they actively promote these styles of water. Uh, this one here's got like natural lithium. It makes you feel good. <laughs> it makes you feel good. And that, that's the power of water. It's just natural, natural element. High calcium, high uh, magnesium, potassium, everything that your body needs to feel good. So um, would, would, would you ever see that in the States of um, promoting water as medicine? I, I, I see it in the future. Yeah, 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 yeah. The enlightened is are are going to uh, make this a reality for for everybody. Now, have you visited any of these springs in Germany? Um, no, not in Germany, but I've visited a range of different springs and been able to drink. When you from them. when you when you arrive to the spring, is it literally coming up out of the ground? What's the mechanism of capture? Um, your hand your mouth, a bottle. Um, but yeah, these are just under um, natural artesian force. The pressure comes up and then it just comes bubbling up out of the ground. So, you know, sometimes it might just be a little spout or people will come there with the jerry cans filling up the waters. Yeah. So for instance, if we visited a spot in Germany, there would be a spout that had been there for maybe hundred years that's just pouring water constantly out Constant. yeah and it's yeah. it's as beautiful as this bubbly yeah yeah okay oh yeah incredible now what's going on specifically down under the earth i i, I know you touched on it before but i'm, I'm holding this glass i'm touching it with my my tongue and i'm i'm at i'm in awe of the process of the bubbles being made by the planet can, can you yeah. kind of dial that down for me? Yeah, so it's just um, underneath the uh, surface, you have water flow and you have pockets of the CO2, carbon dioxide. Under pressure, the two marry. And then the CO2 is dissolved into the water to create sparkling water that you, that you would drink from the bottle or it comes bubbling up out of a spout or a area that it's freely just freely flowing so yeah and then when they capture it in the bottle they they put the top on immediately so the yeah. bubbles stay that's how that happens yeah so in the bottling process there'll be like pressure vessels or they'll capture the co2 the nat natural co2 and then re-inject that into the water but there is one that i tried in slovenia yeah and this is identical to what in the bottle to what you drink out of the spring. Um, and it's pretty rare to have 
waters like that, but they are available. But a lot of these waters, unless it's um, you know Coca Cola, Pepsi Cola, or the big the big players, the distribution of it. So let me break this down. Okay, a bottle of wine, a bottle of water, seven hundred and fifty ml. Yeah, the weight of it is I the same, but to ship that bottle of wine, everyone's cool with it. But then if you were to ship that water, which is the same way, what, you're shipping water around the world? Yes, water should be accessible to everybody, but drinking water and creating your drinking water lifestyle, yeah? One, you're healthier, you're exploring mother nature, you, you know, you're getting in tune with water, has a less carbon footprint than that bottle of wine, 100%. But it's our mindset of, oh, it's water, you're shipping water. What about the wine and all the byproducts and everything else? Yeah, people cherish wines, but I, I, I was with them. Um... Yeah, go on, sorry. No, no, go go ahead. Because, well, just on that point, it's that's the first thing people do say. It's like, oh, that Fiji came from so far. What's the, the footprint? But it takes the intellectual integrity of describing it the mindfulness of stopping and, and sipping it and enjoying it. And when you do that, you're doing the same thing that you should be or would be doing with a fancy bottle of wine and the water is better for you. So I believe uh, philosophically from a planetary perspective that um, we, we should give the water transportation a pass when it is enjoyed a, like you're describing. You know, do you enjoy it like a connoisseur or do you just be one with water, get in tuned with it? It's without it, we're screwed. So respect it. By respecting it, like, you know, respecting other beverages, why can't we give water its value? I was at a, um, a, um, a big charity event with one of the major water charities. And they had like the NGOs, the financiers, and I was in, I was just invited. And I remember Natalie Campbell, MBE, she passed me the mic and goes, do you want to say something? I was like, oh. <laughs> but what I noticed on the tables was, and it was called the Solution Circle, this event. And it was talking about how we can bring clean water and sanitation to everyone around the world. Yeah, these are big players. And I said, there's a fundamental issue in this problem. How are we going to solve this global water crisis if we don't even respect water in this room? No, like, who the is this guy? And I said, the reason why is that we've got eight of these tables with very, very influential people. And they're like, okay, go on. And I said, well, on this table, you've got a beautiful wine glass, and then you've got a crappy looking tumbler. Why is the water in the crappy looking tumbler and the wine in the wine? Let's switch that around, then start the conversation. They kind of looked at me like, what, what, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's... When you put it in those terms, it's so simple. It's so intuitive and accessible to, to, to most. And then you realize how great you do have it when you do stop and in, enjoy it and i think um the take-home message of getting together and doing this family family water tasting or friends and family water tasting is magical it's magical 
And you you uh, spoke with me prior to the, our conversation about a an art and water tasting event you you do and walking away and thinking about that it was just so profound because in America we have these things called wine and design where people will go sip wine maybe you have them in the UK and and then they they all do uh, an art piece um you know there's different formats to do it but the main event is the wine uh you describe an a experience where the the people do the water tasting while doing artwork can you tell us more of, about that how it's gone and what your yeah. format is yeah so um at my um sort of I have a, I have a little store in london where um i promote drinking water cultures come and explore water technology for your tap respect tap water but then taste waters come in taste waters like like we're doing here but what i did was um the element of the educational element of right Here's a bottle of water. This is where it's from, the backstory, everything. And they would, I would give them a canvas with some paints, sip the water while you're creating artwork. Brother, I'll tell you something, the type of artwork that was created, the inspirational element of individuals just being connected and putting on that canvas, what that water, that what that experience gave them, incredible, incredible. And so many people were like, wow this this was cool so literally you know respecting water if you're privileged enough to have a bottle of water do everything that we've said do your homework open it drink it enjoy pen paper paintbrush canvas go for it and it's it been a, a great success and I'll, I'll, I'll do this over the weekends um had a lot of collaboration with the royal school of art in the uk um my ga ga gallery manager alex um, was helping me put these together and yeah we, we've got a lot of recognition from the art community and just people um, that wanted to connect with water and um, at first when I first opened people are like, oh yeah it's just sort of rich and fancy you know 80% of the people that were coming in were either suffering from some level of mental health and just wanted to feel better and they knew water was the cure and people uh, just wanted to explore water and it was completely different. Everyone just branded it as, oh, it's for the rich and fancy. I said, no, it's, it's for everyone. Kids, parents would leave the kids, go shopping, and they would have like a, a masterclass of art and water. Um, all of the artwork in the gallery was water inspired. And I wish we had connected because I would have loved your pieces, man. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So the whole water and the arts thing works. And, I, and like I can see what you've done and what I've done here in London uh, with cymatics as well, all of that. It's it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm as an artist, I'm kind of interested to understand were, were people making uh, landscapes? Were they making abstract pieces? What was kind of uh, what what did you see most uh, from from your guests? Yeah, so um, quite a lot of it was landscapes of what they thought the spring, etc., looked like, and then some were very uh, abstract in the dynamic of the way the water fell on the mouth, the mouthfeel, etc. But it was just down to the individuals to express that relationship of what they'd learned about the water, the backstory of the water and drinking that water of how that made them feel through that session. I know it's 
it's just the most easy way to connect and, and create something and, and, and put something on the canvas of your experience of drinking water. <laughs> and I love how people broke away from just landscapes to abstract oh. pieces of the feeling of the water. That is incredible. And and should be tried by the families when they do the water tasting. Yeah, we had one piece done, um, and he, he he was a very good artist, but he, he created this whole piece of like what the future of water would be. Like it was like this press, like really, really detailed of like these astronauts holding this um, bowl, and this was the only water left, and intricate space bits and yeah uh, we've we've had some amazing pieces and and we would have gallery shows as well so the artist would put them up and we'd have an open day people would come in um and just share their artwork and what it meant so it was um it's good times i love it so much i i think we have i think we've touched on on all the waters is that is that right here um i have one more and it's um, this uh, this is this is one that you you don't have but it's um it's high alkaline purified water with electrolytes and it, that, that's how they're branding it so it's kind of what we described earlier with the high alkalinity uh added the um also added and this was a, a key question of mine actually mm -hmm. was they've added other uh minerals so minerals added to to the water. So they've added the pH, added the minerals. Um, a lot of action has been done. The, the branding is high. It's called PATH. Um, so I'm gonna try this out and, uh, and, and talk about it real quick. Um, but yeah. while, while I'm pouring, can you tell me what your thoughts are on the adding of the minerals to water uh, as opposed to what we've been talking about, the minerals being added by the earth? Yeah, so like I'll, I'll be very straight. Um, you're probably better off drinking tap water than that. Um, you know that is tap water processed in the factory and then added alkalinity and and minerals. Um, it has a place. This style of water, like if there's been a um, natural disaster of some sort and you can't get hold of water, then taking tap water and completely purifying it, etc. I'm not okay. Just waiting for it. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 pausing to, because I'm sipping and I apologize for sipping while you're talking, but I, I will I will describe it real quick because mm. my first my first reaction was it had the same odor almost as the tap water. And that might have mm. to do with the container or vessel it's in is aluminum. The pipes that my water is coming to me are are probably uh metal. Um yeah. but the flavor is a little bit different. And I must say, I can I can taste almost the minerals they added because it's similar to the calcium uh, amount that was in the the Evian. And I don't know, is calcium an easy element to add as opposed to say a um, a silicon? Uh, yeah, I think they'll just add a silica. Excuse me, not silicon, silica. Yeah. So like, can they add the silica or like I'm not sure there's a, a menu of minerals that are easier yeah, to add. So I think what they've just added there is probably baking soda. Interesting. Yeah. Yummy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, waters like that, if you see purified, that is literally tap water stripped 
and then something added in the factory and sold back to you like a thousand times more than the price of tap water. So here's an interesting one, right? So all my travels, um, especially around say poorer countries, all these purified waters, that that's what you get, okay? And that's what people can access. But what's happened, and I've done like a lot of interviews and things like this. So what's happened with these uh, big corporates pushing out this purified tap water, very, very low mineral content water, okay? So people are accustomed to just drinking that. That is what water should taste like, and that is water, yeah? If they were to drink anything else with a higher mineral content, they would can't drink that, doesn't taste right. And there's a big issue that people's perception of water is dictated by the Coca-Cola and the Pepsi-Colas. And this is just fucking wrong, yeah? Water should have taste. Water should have character. You know, discover it. But globally, where these mass waters are just sent out, and sometimes it's the only water that people can try, if they were to try anything different, they'll think there's something wrong with that water. So that's just something that I've noticed, like with this cultural shift of bottled waters. Um, and, and some of these waters have minimal minerals. So where does your body get that mineral? Yes, you can get it from food, etc. But water, if it's tap or bottled, should have a good amount of minerals for the body. And that, those are Mother Nature's electrolytes. So when you see the waters with electrolytes and this and that, it's just marketing. Yeah, just marketing marketing key point there so it's all about knowing where the water came from knowing that the minerals in the water from that region are special knowing how to describe them when you're enjoying it enjoying it yeah. effectively and this is all after of course it's a understanding that it's a, a just something we need in general water and uh, yeah. it's it's enjoying water on the highest level you possibly can and that's that's yeah. what you're that's what your game is and such an yeah. amazing game. I, I, I'm just been so blown away. Um, I, I, we, I would like to keep going for a second more. If, if do you have, to, do you have to I, I think we could go, go on. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, we're so, we're so passionate about, about it. Um, what, what is, what is the one thing that we haven't really touched upon that you think we should know? I think it's sharing this just this, like we've touched on it like the water tasting element you know the price of water you know some waters can be more expensive because it might be you know marketed in a way but i think um don't look at the price look at the backstory look at the source where's this water from is what you should focus on um and also like what can you do for others? And that's important. You know, not everybody is of an equal when it comes to water. So like, you know, your water choices, what you can request from your local water utility. And you guys have a, a prime example. Upstream PFAS companies dumping out PFAS. Your water utilities have taken note and invested probably millions if it's activated um, carbon or if it's an RO mechanism, you know, whatever it is. So I, I think um, water should not be left to just governments or private companies. 
it must it must be a community thing now yeah and you you have uh these incredible bottles behind you the, the, mm. I can I can see the beauty in their marketing, um, but let's let's uh, just suppose that with the marketing of the Pepsi Cola brands, uh, like, like this Path bottle, you know, it's beautifully marketed. Yeah. It has a it's selling me on all this stuff that you've uh, um, enlightened me to the fact that it's BS, and and we now know again that the that the positivity comes from these rare, unique places where the water is captured, and. Um, there's a a, 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 um, a bottle of water that, that I think you've been speaking about in, uh, in, in previous episodes in Patagonia, where a guy chisels off the, the glacier um, and it, the water falls into, into the bottle and it's very super expensive. Um, yeah, th that intrigued that intrigued me because it's like a really expensive bottle of wine as we as we talked about it and how it's how it's captured is so so unique. Can you speak to this bottle in particular and tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, let me just grab it uh, So um, it's called Absu, um, bottled in very 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 low numbers. Um, so they call it nomadic harvesting. Uh, they go out on boat three or four days and literally go up to the glacier of Patagonia. You know, you can't fly in. Um, and they might have maybe 50 bottles on the boat. Um, they don't chip away. It's just naturally um, free flowing from the glacier and melting. So they may bottle about 100 bottles in this beautiful French blown glass. Um, so there's, there's two scenarios to this, okay? Um, if not presented in the right way, this is just 140 pounds or dollars water. What, what the hell, you know, it causes that big uproar. But then the other side of my mind is like, people could have a, a party and bring in a, a, an expensive bottle of wine. But what this does in the right scenario is creates that shock value, but then it, creates that debate what is the value of water yeah and you know some people are always oh, just for the rich it's this that but some people do not drink alcohol some people want an experience but what what happens when i've presented these waters and i always feel a bit uneasy but i always make sure it's on the right way but this actually creates this wow i value water like I've just experienced something truly special. And yeah, it, it genuinely, they were on a boat for three days, collecting this water and bringing it back. So there's a good, beautiful backstory. And there's some individuals that contact me going, look, I've got a special event, a, a wedding, a, um, a birthday party, a 60 years birthday party, whatever it is. And they gift water. And people are like, oh my God, this is like crazy. This is so special, you know? So um, it's, it, it creates a, a deeper conversation. And, and that is exactly the key point. It brings everything to light. The, the, all the, the intricacies of we, what we've been discussing this previous two hours almost has to do with the highest essence of what water is and that leads yeah. the conversation um 
I, I love that. I love that story. I love that bottle. Uh, what's a, another uh, a brand or bottle that that you've come across that you're like, this is another really sick one? Yeah, um, I think all waters have their beautiful merit. Um, well, here, let me I'm... let me dis- let me let you hone down on what I'm what I mean here, because like, yeah. uh, I, in the research, I saw you're affiliated with fine liquids. Fine liquids uh, sells um, these beautiful uh, different kinds of waters from all over the world. Um, it, do I have that right? Fine liquids? Yeah. So, yeah. So um, fine liquids, um, uh, Pat and I, um, fine liquids. Um, we, we were just bouncing off each other. You know, I was helping him. He was helping me. So, right, so right. I'm okay. Not- so but like, here's here's what I love about it. Here's what I love about the the, the mm. really fanciest waters is the backstory. It's like the Fiji. Yeah. Like today, I understand tact, uh, to my taste buds why I like the Fiji, physically why yeah. I like the Fiji. But before, I like the story behind the Fiji. And yeah. uh, we, we just heard an amazing story behind uh, this water in Patagonia that's a region that everyone loves uh, from the photos so it's almost like you can travel around the world when you're tasting these different waters and that is so special and and unique Um, the question I'm honing down on here is like what's another one that you're just like wow that's super unique okay so it's all about that emotional connection to water and this is what it provides so I've got one here, and I've got two actually that I'd like to share. So this one is from Svalbard. Okay, this is iceberg water. Okay, rewind. Uh, what, what? What? I'm sorry. What was that region or or country? Uh, Svalbard in Norway. So it's um, about a thousand kilometers from the North Pole. So it's the island of Svalbard. Um, this water is genuinely um, polar um, icebergs just floating away, which are just going to melt to the ocean. Um, and they go out on a boat and harvest these. Yeah. And they listen out for crackling. And the ice is talking by crackling. And this ice is about maybe 5,000 years old. And they literally just very carefully capture very, very, very small amounts and bottle it. And it's a very unique um, water, taste-wise. The backstory presenting this, um, it's carbon neutral. And they put a lot back into Svalbard. So, yeah, these waters, it definitely brings the shock value. But then when you really turn to what they're doing, to, you know... Um, if it's like a gift or if it's like I, I gifted these for a wedding like um one of my best friends got married and i gifted him one of these everyone was like wow you know it was like such a special moment and he cherishes it goes no it's like the most special gift i've ever got so we could do that and then we've got another one here from the amazonian rainforest okay so this Imagine David Attenborough, the um, the air rivers above the canopies when the trees are transpiring. See that mist? That is using water technology, atmospheric water generator, to gently collect this water. Very, 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 very low numbers. 
But again, it's a unique experience in the sense of um, they put back a lot into the community. Because um, if you're looking after the people of the Amazon, but also it, it highlights all the issues around the Amazon. It's an experience for so you don't guzzle this. But like if it's something that you're celebrating, some people want to celebrate with champagne, it's, it, it is £100 a bottle. But water, it, it brings a unique experience. It's, well, you, you talk about the shock value of the price. And honestly, for what you just described, that sounds yeah. inexpensive. Like, yeah. like, like I, I know it, it, the common man, look at the beautiful presentation, guys, it, those no. listening on, on radio, uh, I, I'm viewing a, uh, just a beautiful box with all the, the details and the bottle yeah, is the story, yeah. beautifully presented. And it's, it's inexpensive really when it comes down to it, because if you engage the water here with, with the right palette description the mindful activity you can you can really go to that place and understand the the uniqueness of it because when you put it into your lips there's not going to be another water that tastes like that no it's very like if you were to experience it it's very unique like the mouthfeel the taste of it but just the backstory of these floating rivers about the Amazon of experiencing that via water technology. And that technology is used to provide water to communities. But then a lot of the money that's generated from this goes back. But it creates that conversation. What is the value of water? You know, and, and the experience and the experiences, the emotional connection. Once you are emotionally connected to something, you love. You'll love it forever. And that's and that's where we are get emotionally connected to water, its source, its understanding, and yeah. Does does the cloud water have minerals? Uh, very low, very low. So I have a water called cloud juice from Tasmania. So very, very, very remote. Um, it rains a lot. Um, you were to drink that, literally it's collected um, straight rain. And it's like velvet. It, it truly is like velvet. And sometimes you can hear the rumble of the clouds when you put the glass into your Love it. What, if, if you don't mind, can you show us what that yeah. bottle looks like? Yeah, of course. Oh, it's a beautiful yeah. bottle. Uh, almost looks like yeah. a, a wine bottle. So like backstory, yeah. yeah. So it's 9,750 drops of pure rainwater. Our home, King Island, has some of the cleanest air in the world, thanks to the strong westerly winds known as the Roaring Forties. It rains on average 180 days per year. The character of cloud juice changes with temperature. From sweetly refreshing when chilled to an elegant velvet when served at room temperature. And it is, it is exactly what it says. So, yeah. When, when the, um, they developed the vocabulary and the, in the copy for the bottles, uh, are, is that, is that something that you've been involved with, with your consulting and kind of what, what's your process yeah. there intellectually? Yeah. yeah. So behind the scenes, I, um, just help like the minds past our brands or like the small springs. I love them in, in the sense of, 
they are so in tune with the environment and they want to protect the environment, but then also in small quantities of what they can manage is it share that water, the experience of having these waters for health, for well-being, or just discovery. So I love working with these small spring operators. You know, they do not make money. This isn't money. Majority of these bottles here are from these mine pass springs, which I do what I can to help to elevate the importance of the water, to share the waters, um, but then also take care of the land that the water is from. And then and a majority of these um, springs are handed down in like generational into families. So um, yeah, it's always nice working with them because you, you can never compete with the David, and, like, you know, it's a David and Goliath thing, competing with the big brands. Like you see Pellegrino everywhere because of a reason. Um, but the more people get into it, people start exploring different waters and wanting to try them. So, yeah, it's, um, but I think, you know, the whole element of being fortunate enough to try all of these different waters, experience, emotionally connect, but what can you do to make better tap water and, you know, wastewater services? Getting that element right, the respect right, we will have beautiful, flourishing communities, you know, that have sufficient water to irrigate, have sufficient water to grow crops, you know, sufficient water for fun, you know, with all your surfing here in the UK at the moment, some of the water companies are just pumping out sewage into the seas. And people are getting sick from just going to the beach you know stuff like that needs to stop i went to el salvador a couple of years ago and for a surf trip uh, we stayed cool. at a, a beautiful little spot and um by most uh surf breaks in the world there's a river mouth usually because yeah. the how the beach w works and um this particular trip it rained a lot and i didn't really think anything of it the ocean was uh was dark brown i thought maybe because of mud but day four i got and my friend we got so sick and it, it it's because the 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 people who live there it's no fault of their own they're surviving but they, they, they don't have the resources to build the treatment plants to to clean the water before it goes out in, into the stream and the, and the water cycle for most of the world is like this, as you spoke about earlier, uh, does not have the access to the clean drinking water. And even the water that's coming downstream, they can't just capture it and, and drink it. It's it's contaminated. And um, is there a simple solution as far as uh, new technologies where that can, they can just be dropped in and implemented? Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, containerized, water treatment plants that you could just drop in clean up water it's there but it's just a very very slow uptake imagine how the uptake of the apple iphone or apple products has been globally yeah why the hell can that not be translated into water tech to clean water because without it you will not have an iphone and you may be aware of the amount of water it takes just to create an iPhone. Semiconductors, microchips, high purity, clean water is required. A lot of waste for that process. But um, 
think things will change, but you know, you're 20, 30 years away. But the solution is start teaching this water education on a deeper level at schools, because this is going to really, really inspire the next generation of policymakers, environmental scientists, engineers. Yeah, it, it takes a lot to look after water and infrastructure. And and again, the, the key point here is in mindfully enjoying every sip you take and understanding the process and all that went into the water. Uh, I, I want to kind of get to, you know, you're, you're a big influencer. You speak to a lot of people, a lot of times, small groups, uh, big groups, fancy people, uh, you know, regular, regular little kids that all come to this, to, to you with different concepts of water. Um, how, how do you, as a, uh, a public figure, an engager, a passionate person in, in the water world, um, when you walk into a room, gauge your audience to then deliver the message you want to deliver? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, for example, I, I feel pretty confident with the way I deliver. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you a real time example. So I did a event at the National Theatre in London. So it's, it's a pretty big event. And um, there was about 70 people there. And I remember the engineers walking in and they, they come from my background. But I remember hearing him going, oh, what's this guy on? He's wasting our time. He's talking about water. Oh, I can't be asked, but we've been told, you know, proper. No, there's about eight of them just like all huddled together. And they're like, this is a waste of time. Water's just water. Did the presentation. The estates director was there. As soon as I finished that presentation, those eight engineers were the first to stand up and shake my hand to say, oh, my God, this it's been amazing. We didn't actually realize. So, like, anyone that's skeptical, oh, water's just water, within that 10 minutes of just tasting different waters, it clicks in the brain. You see it in the eyes. You see it in the eyes. Like, you see people just smiling, like, oh. And this is what you need to influence at the schools. Like, even if you could do it in your area, Sean, like, you know, what we've learned here, I'll be more than happy to help. Just go into a school and just get that done. It will transform the kids. They'll be like, oh, wow. You know, do an aquatastology board. All the kids can write down their experience and then reflect on that after. And they'll be like, wow, man, I've got superpowers. Uh, <laughs> Melinda, you just gave me chills. There's chills going down my body. I'm so doing that. And that, that kind of led me to my, my next question because yeah. uh, in preparation, I was researching the internet simule for water uh there's a guy who's doing um he'll he'll charge you five thousand dollars to give you a fancy certificate uh that that tells you that you are now a water simule and um like 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 do you need to go through that or what's your method of attack for someone who wants to be a water simule my method of attack is water is accessible to everybody just personally form your relationship with water. Do the tastings. Grab your phone. Oh, oh, sorry. Let me just charge up. Let me just charge up. Sorry, we've been talking about. You're good. It. Just went, yeah. It's all good. Um, I 
look, you do not need a title as a water sommelier, yeah, but have the title as a water advocate in the sense of emotionally connect to water, understand it, drink it, respect it, discover the nuances of it, and share that knowledge, yeah. Next time you open a bottle or, or from a tap, someone's standing next to you, just try to describe that experience or does it remind you of something? I get that a lot. Oh, it reminds me of holiday, my grandmother's house or good times. I remember once someone goes, it reminds me of an airport lounge. And I was like, hey, if that's if that's what it jogs your memory. So um, you don't have to spend money on this. All you have to do is just invest time that there's more to water, go and discover. Yeah. Such a great message. And I, I also love your idea of taking tap water from one region. Say you're going to dinner for Thanksgiving yeah. and, and, and you're, you're going to enjoy uh, someone else's tap water there. You take your own tap water and you can discuss it, discuss, maybe do a little research as to what your local treatment plant might be doing. And that can enter the conversation. And again, it builds the conversation and you're also in the present moment, mindfully of, uh, feeling the, the the water of your space yeah. and I, I just wanted to drop something else as well while we're on this um water and food pairing okay so now you say for example you've um had gerald steiner and you've had fiji if i said to you say fiji water with maybe a sweet dessert or something that's been quite spicy so with the softness, the velvetiness of maybe a, a creamy dessert or a sweet dessert or cashew nuts, I love. Fiji, cashew nuts together, boom. Ooh. Or, yeah, so you can pair water and food together. Gerald Steiner. Um, if you're vegetarian, like barbecued um, peppers on a barbecue or some meat. So the mineral content with the big bubbles will cut through the fats of the meat to allow it to release more flavor. Um, it's very refreshing after, but you know, comparing contrast of the mouthfeel and taste of the water with foods works very, very well. But again, just compare and contrast, um, and you'll be surprised. What, what would you recommend with a steak? Steak, Gerald uh, Steiner, man, 100%, yeah. The mineral content, the salt, it, it's got higher sodium than the um, San Pellegrino. So that works really well um, with the steak. The bubbles in it refreshes the palate as well. But what I find is that the bubbles are very like robust. And it cuts through the fat and releases flavor as well. So I'd um, recommend that. Incredible. How, how about a, a salmon? Salmon, okay, 100% salmon, um, low TDS water, like either the Fiji, or um, then you might see a brand called Icelandic Glacial. You may, um, or even the Evian. Yep. Yeah, so Icelandic Glacial, very low TDS, very crisp, perfect for salmon, because it allows us, if it's a smoked salmon or just um, like sashimi style, you will taste the salmon the water will allow you to get more deep flavors out of the salmon Incredible. the water will help elevate taste and can i go to chicken tell me about chicken chicken evian uh crispy salad 
yeah, AVR or something um, that has um, not so robust bubbles. Yeah, so look at the carbonation level as well, because car carbonation plays a huge factor on the sensory element as well. Also, or a Sar Saratoga with chicken, like a grilled chicken, Saratoga would be pretty good. Incredible. And I, I got to tell you, like, I was telling my, my father, he listens to my podcast, shouts out Tom Rutke. He's like, a water sommelier, well, that one's not going to be two hours. And I was like, bro, we're going to go two hours. You watch this and, and we've gone past two hours. And I, I really, we go past I, two hours. bro, we're, yeah, we're, we're like way past two hours. So I, I, I can't thank you enough for spending your time with us. And I, I'd love to do this again in the future. I, I'm totally going to take you up on getting out there into the schools because it starts the broader conversation. And this this podcast was made for this conversation, and it, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, Milan, can you uh, answer one more question for me before yeah. we go? What yeah. is yeah, bro? What's the meaning of life according to Milan Patel? Simple, just hydrate the imagination, hydrate each other's imaginations, and just be connected, be kind karma and just be the best that you can be every day and be kind to each other that's that's it yeah beautiful beautiful and uh your hydration imagination um tell us about tell us about that is that is that your business uh how do you have merch um what t tell people about about the uh the identity there with with your concept yeah so hydrate the imagination was just um like a a term that I use, so I've, I've like I've got it trademarked, but um, it's just what I use. And when I when I say it, people are like, yeah, love it. So I've got like water as unique as you, aquatastology, um, hydrate the imagination. Like every everything that I've been doing is very organic. I'm not in it to be like making a huge amount of money. What I do during my day job as a water consultant pays the bills every you know and everything like that what i do outside with the water education elements i i do because i enjoy it and i enjoy inspiring people to look at water differently to create a better future so yeah it's just um a hobby a passion that at first people were laughing i'm like what the hell are you doing right i said i don't care you can laugh whatever but um some people started to listen to it enjoyed it and um, I had my um, first big break on a British uh, TV live. So they called me up and they were like, oh, we heard you, the water sommelier. And I thought it was one of my friends. I was like, yeah, whatever. Put the phone down. Um, and then they- Is this the one with me. the two women? Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I think I might've watched it. They'd have two women. It was very high produced. One there, uh, one was um, had blonde hair, one had black hair. That, that was like my third live. Okay, TV. okay. Yeah, it was like so, three minutes and and you handled them well because they, you know, they they all water, blah, blah, blah. They're like, dude, dude, you crushed, you crushed it. So when I like this is the British media, like on the first one that I did, they were like, and I knew they just wanted me on TV going, ha ha ha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you're playing with the wrong guy. So Bro, totally. I'll I'll send you the link for the first one. Okay, I, okay, I'd like to see that. Um, yeah, so, but just going back to the respect of water, when I was introduced live on TV, no rehearsal, no nothing, 
threw me out there. Hi, it's Milan Patel, the water sommelier. What did those two, Josie and uh, whatever her name did? They laughed. So where's the value of water? Like someone, you know, that, that and I remember it was just a laugh. And I thought, okay, okay, let's go. Man, dude, I'm, I'm so happy you kind of came back to because that was really the heart of my my previous question a couple months mm. ago. It was like, like when you enter the room and the, the people are, are laughing, like as a as a person, how do you come back from that with the with the speaking? Because you know a lot of people are afraid to speak, and you got to be passionate about whatever you're talking about to speak effectively. Yeah. So like, like, it's, tell us yeah. a little bit about your jujitsu there. Yeah, yeah. In my mind, like genuinely, genuinely, I'm like walking into it, no rehearsal. I don't know what's going to come at me, but in my mind, I am like. I have one job to do, and that is to inspire and change people's perception on water. If you like it or not, you are going to walk away with a thought in your mind about water. And I just, just go into it. Just go into the OG mode and just go. Yeah. Um, a bit of breathing exercise as well helps. Oh, yeah. So what, what do you do? What, I want to know. Oh, just um, I think about kids and just... Deep breathe out, deep breathe out for a minute or two, go live, boom. And I do you like just use your nose or, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nose are just deep, deep breathing. And um, like genuinely in my mind, I'm just like, look, I've got a job to do. I'm very fortunate that I've got myself in this position. Um, and just be honest, be truthful, have some fun and inspire, yeah. <laughs> thank, th thank you <laughs> no no thank you for connecting like this like like when i when i see you reach out i was like oh okay this is interesting and then the more i thought i thought you know what i am so looking forward because we were supposed to do this like next week but i got too eager i was like no yeah you were gonna like, knock it out like i might yeah, get yeah. Bus. We're, we're, for real for real and it's, it's been a pleasure I, i've really enjoyed it and i did say i'm, I'm gonna go deep and your platform's has allowed me to go deep into these conversations because some uh, like, just don't get it but from your work and everything like how we connected I, like even before i started i said i feel so so comfortable on this call of just being free and just you know having great conversation and elevating the importance of water so thank you so much well melinda i'm sh i'm confident that this podcast will go into the future as a humongous educational tool that people will share with their family and friends to elevate their mindset to a higher degree with a substance that they probably have running free and clear out of their tap so yeah. thank you again not, not a problem not a problem look forward to the next one for real and and listeners thank you for listening please make sure to follow, like, and subscribe. I, I will have Malin Platel's information down below as far as his Instagram, Hydrate the Imagination on, on Instagram. That have that correct? At yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and um, <laughs> there we go. That is episode 44 of Speaking From Water. I'm your host, Sean Rudke. Thank you very much. We'll check you out next time. Peace. Peace.